Welcome to episode 17 of Dirt Stories. Today, we're talking to Paul, the coordinator for trades and apprenticeships for heavy equipment operation at Conestoga College in Kitchener, Ontario. With labor shortages continuing in the industry, we're excited to get an inside perspective on training the next generation of equipment operators. From how to get started in a career in construction to how technology is changing the role of operators, we're covering it all in today's episode of Dirt Stories. Come on, join me. Let's dive in. Hi, Paul. Oh, hi, Becca. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, no problems. I'm very excited to dive into your dirt story. Okay. Okay. Well, let's dive right in. I'm excited to hear a little bit more uh, about you and Conestoga College and your dirt story in general. So why don't we Certainly, kick things yes. off? Yes, if you can start yep. by telling us a little bit about uh, yourself. All right, well, my name is Paul Pacheco. I'm the um, coordinator and lead faculty at Conestoga College's Guelph campus uh, that runs its heavy construction equipment operator program. Um, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm about 50 years old. I've been in the business, including the teaching for about 33 years. So I started quite young. And um, before I came to the school, I was a full-time operator and foreman. So I had kind of two jobs at the same time. Okay. So how did you, how did you get into construction? Let's start there. Well, when I was young, uh, when I was 17, due to circumstances beyond my control, I had to drop out of school. And so what happened was I had some family members who happened to be in some construction jobs and they helped me get a job in construction. So that was at the young age of 17. I started out as a laborer. Wow. Um, yeah. And so from that point, um, you know, once in a while as a laborer, I got the opportunity to try a machine here and there or here or there. And um, somebody discovered I had some talent for it. And within a couple of years, I was a full-time operator. So how do you, so you're 17 years old, how do you yeah. get into that? Like, where do you start? How, do you, how did you get the job? What did that look like for you? Well, uh, you know, fortunately it was a little bit of nepotism. Uh, <laughs> my brother and my cousin were foremans at a construction, a landscape construction company. And so they, you know, got me in sort of thing. Um, they helped me start there at, at, the, at the very uh, bottom of the ladder sort of thing as a laborer. And, um, and yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't a great laborer. And then they, they let me try a machine now and then, and they discovered that that was my uh, niche, let's say. Nice. What was the first machine you ever uh, operated? A skid steer. A Bobcat skid steer was the first one I tried. And then from that, I went on to um, altering forklifts and, and tractor loader backhoes. Okay. So it's my understanding that you then kind of made a little bit of a shift into training operators as well. Right. So, um, about, uh, gosh, I'll, I'll say about 16 years ago, uh, I was, while I was a, uh, 
foreman operator at, at, uh, at a, a company in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Uh, I was part of the um, safety committee. So I was a worker rep for the safety committee and okay. the company was having trouble um, with safety training and finding people to do that um, and, and making it affordable. So I volunteered to put together some training material and, um, and to start doing the WIMIS teaching. So I took a couple of courses on adult training and took some courses uh, like teach the trainer type courses. And, uh, and then I developed a, a kind of a safety training program for that company. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that over the winter when work was a little bit slower. So I would uh, train pretty much every employee. And then we, I moved on from that. I kept taking more night courses and, and um, on, on legislation and safety and such. And then an opportunity came up with the college that I applied for. A friend of mine saw the ad for it and he said, oh, this would be good for you. So I took a shot at it and here we are. Wow, what a transition. So I want to talk about that a little bit because that's, there's a lot of interesting pieces in there. You know, the first is you're doing the training um, you know, safety training and, and training operators, which doesn't really happen in this industry. I've had a lot of conversations with business owners and operators. And the common theme is if you want to work in construction, there isn't really a place you go, or at least there wasn't until recently. There wasn't a course that you took or, or a clear path on how to get there. And now with Conestoga College, you were the first ever program coordinator for the heavy equipment operator program, which is super cool. So can you tell me a little bit about that program? Well, our program, the, the nice thing about our program is it, it's a full school year. It is far more than just doing the heavy equipment operating. Uh, so our program started out, I was the first teacher also. So I developed a lot of the program. So I came literally right out of industry, uh, saw the needs because I had had other beginners uh, work for me who came from private training programs. I'm sure you've heard of private training mm. programs. And I, I just saw a huge lack uh, of training and, and, and preparedness uh, by those graduates of those particular short courses. Mm -hmm. um, so when I had the opportunity with Conestoga College, uh, you know, a little bit of my ego came out and said, well, I'm going to do better. Um, <laughs> And well, and the, the nice thing was college, Conestoga College gave me the opportunity to do better, uh, both in the amount of time spent with the students and the fact that I was, I was able, uh, with their guidance, to kind of decide how I was going to teach the outcomes that, uh, that they had decided on. Mm -hmm. um, they also had a very large part of the, the, the program was going to be other things in the construction industry. So all our courses are aimed at being in construction. So, uh, you know, examples would be, we have a, a um, environmental course while we're teaching about environmental issues that pertain to operators. Right. Um, you know, if we're teaching a sales course, which we have a source course in there, again, it's teaching it as, a, as it pertains to operators, not to make you a soil engineer. Um, so all our program, all our courses in, within the program were designed that way um, to make sure that it made the, the participant as prepared for construction, no matter what they would be doing as we could. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the demographics in the program, because I know from, from my experience in the industry, there are 
it's, it varies quite a bit, you know, more women are coming into the industry first. And then in terms of age, it's really, it, it varies quite a bit. Some people are coming, you know, you were 17 years old, they're coming right out of high school and others, maybe they're looking for a career change. So tell me a little bit about, I guess, the qualifications to get into the program and the demographics that you're seeing of the students as well. I'll start with the qualifications. Uh, the qualifications are, you have to have a grade 12, a grade 12 certificate or equivalent. So you can have a GED and, and such. Uh, so that's the first qualification. And in that uh, grade 12, you have to have a, a grade 11 math and a grade 12 English has to be part of your, your courses that you passed. Uh, of course, students are able to upgrade before they come to school to get anything they might be missing. Um, beyond that, there's no other qualification uh, other than being you know physically able to do it. Right. As far as our demographics go, I can say with, you know, I've been doing it for 12 years now. This is my 12th uh, cohort. I'm about to start my 13th. Uh, I could say that we're about 50% is going to be students coming out of school. 25% uh, is going to be students who have been out of school for a while, but really haven't found their calling. They've been going from job to job or, or low paying jobs like, re like retail, um, where they don't see themselves continuing in, in that. Right. Um, and then about 25% have been uh, people retraining, uh, people who have had jobs for a long period and either don't like them or they lost those jobs. Uh, and so they've come to us and have found that they think this could be a good opportunity for them. Um, so those people can be anywhere from, you know, 25 to 50. Uh, right. On occasion, we get some even a little bit older. Um, but yeah, so that's that demographic. So it's like 50, 25, and 25. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious then, you talked a little bit, you know, obviously you created the program and you've developed it. What types of courses, um, just as an overview, can students expect? And I'm thinking especially for those individuals that are coming back into the industry. They've already worked in the industry and they're looking to enhance their skills. What do those courses look like? So when you when you start our program, uh, you'll start out in for a couple of weeks of taking a little bit of intense uh, safety training and um, machine familiarization, uh, so that you can learn to do the proper maintenance and and pre-operation checks on the backhoes and skid steers. Um, so that's how we start off. That's two weeks at our campus. Uh, to get that going. After that, they, the students will go out to our work site for five weeks and run uh, tractor loader backhoes every day for five weeks straight. Uh, once they've completed that, they'll spend a week doing crew work where we're, we put them actually into crews and they'll start using skid steers, backhoes, and other smaller tools that are used in the industry uh, to complete a, a set task, a simulation, like backfilling trenches. Uh, they'll be using hand saws, uh, like power-operated um, abrasive saws, commonly called quick cuts in the industry. Uh, they'll be using uh, compaction machines, like jumping jacks and diesel plates. Uh, they'll be using various kinds of skid steers uh, to do this work. And so that's, that's done for a week, and, and that's kind of intro, an introduction into compact equipment. After that, uh, they'll start the kind of academic portion of the program, and this kind of lines up with the winter, so we, we want to keep people indoors as much as possible during that time. Uh, during that academic portion, 
uh, one of the things we'll still be doing outdoors is surveying. Um, so we do some introduction land surveying and blueprint reading so that the students, they're not going to become surveyors, but they'll be operators who understand blueprints and how to use surveying equipment, which is a, a huge benefit to anybody in the industry who works in outdoor construction. Right. So from there on, uh, the students will be doing an, a lot of shop work uh, where they'll learn more advanced maintenance on the equipment. Again, not to make them um, mechanics, but to make them able to identify when they need a mechanic or when stuff can be um, resolved on their own, how to maintain the equipment properly according to manufacturer specifications, uh, little kind of uh, best practice things on, on how to keep that machine going even beyond what it says in the, in the manual. Uh, they'll also be taking more academic type things. Now, these are required by uh, Ontario colleges like math, computer, and uh, communications, which is a version of English. Those are standard, um, not aimed at anything in particular. Um, and then they also will take um, a course on soils and concrete. They'll take a course on environmental, as I mentioned earlier. They'll take a course on um, business practices. So we teach the students that if in the future they want to buy a machine or they want to lease a machine, how do you how do you do that? How do you get how do you find the right equipment for what you need? Uh, that sort of thing. Um, and let me I'll just quickly think. There's a long list, but uh, I'll I'll try to get through them. Oh, they get introduced to welding again, not to make them a welder, but to make them more useful for repairs and uh, that sort of stuff. Um, like more ha small hand tools, that sort of thing. And um, I think that's pretty much kind of covers most of the, our winter semester. Nice. Once that's done and the weather starts turning in March, we go back out to our work site. We do more surveying, uh, incorporating more blueprints, uh, kind of a level two, um, incorporating more blueprints, uh, how to, um, adapt material from the blueprints to the field, how to use laser equipment. Uh, so a little bit more high end at that point. And a refresher is how I look at it too, to get them ready to go to go to work. And then we commence 12 weeks straight of bulldozer, excavator, and um, more compact equipment. And that's when they, they, when they complete all that, they have their, they'll get their certificate. Um, again, this is not kind of a participate in your pass. You actually, there are standards that they have to set. Uh, a way to look at it is they, you know, we, we judge a student to be employable with the equipment and able to make uh, an employer, um, or able to give them an employer some productivity. Okay, so there's a lot in there. There is a tremendous amount in there. And again, the, the goal of the, the program uh, and all that material is that the construction industry is so very diverse. And we want a student to be able to pursue various avenues if the actual operating doesn't work out or if they don't like it. Um, but they can still stay in the industry with the training we've, we've, we've given them. Great. Yeah, that's great. So why do you think, why do you think we're only now seeing these types of programs emerging at the college level? So there's, for quite a long time, there's been private companies doing it. Um, but it's, those companies, unfortunately, due to cost constraints and how they run, I can only give you my, and I, I can only give you 
my experience with them, and I'm not trying to badmouth anybody uh, as far as that goes, but because it's such a costly thing to run, um, I've always found those kind of programs a little bit lacking. And there's also been a kind of um, an attitude amongst employers and workers that this can't be learned at school. Now, I like to think we've proved that wrong and that we can, if, if done properly, you can learn a lot of it at school. Uh, so that has been kind of the resistance to it and why it's just, it's becoming popular now. Now, having said that, at an actual college level, there's still only two colleges in Ontario that, that offer this kind of training. Uh, ours and another one up north, well, I should say east of us. Um, and, and theirs is a much shorter course also. So it's not like ours, which is a full year. Okay. So there's, there's you know, to, to expand a little bit on that, there, there's always been a little stigma to it um, as far as, as, as getting this kind of training at school. Uh, another reason that it's become um, kind of not so much popular, but almost a requirement now is as safety rules have increased and the Minister of Labour has been uh, more active in, in looking at people's experience, uh, a college certificate like ours is a fantastic proof of training. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, if somebody has an accident and um, which, you know, can happen to anybody sort of thing, uh, the ministry can come and say, well, why was that person operating a machine? And then an employer has documentation saying they've been trained. Uh, you know, it's not, it's, it was not negligence or anything like that. It was an accident. So that's a great factor. Uh, another thing that has occurred in the last five years is that um, with the advent of OCOT, the Ontario College of Trades, heavy equipment operating for the first time actually became a, um, a Red Seal trade and a journey person trade. A Red so Seal a trade, okay. Yes, so what that means is your training, if it's Red Seal, your qualifications or your apprenticeship apply across the uh, country. So, um, Oh, somebody, interesting. Yeah, so it's like some other trades that are Red Seal. Uh, so Red Seal just means there's a, a bunch of, of provinces that participate in this. And what they'll do is recognize your qualifications from one project province to the next. It also has set forward an actual standard, uh, an actual standard as to what level the operator has to be at to achieve this Red Seal. And has um, now there's actually a journey person designation. A lot of people haven't realized that for all these years, there was really no license to get. Um, so people would talk about, well, I want to get my ticket for, for heavy equipment operating. That was not a, um, an actual thing. Um, at best, it could be proof of training, but there was no real license. And now there's actually a license. So like, for example, I'm a journey person in, in the three trades. Okay. Interesting. There's, there's a lot more, more in there. I think the safety piece is interesting because that's having, having that certification for if something does go wrong or if, if something happens on a site, I think that's really important as well, but also that it gives you that, that leg up on the competition when you're looking for a job in the industry, I think to have that, that certification from Conestoga College that says, yes, I've been trained by an expert and these are the things I know. I think that really sets students apart and sets them up for success as well, which is great. 
Yes, we, we feel it makes them ready. Um, and, and it saves the employer some of the training they would have to do in-house. Uh, right. There's some that, that is not an optional. They still have to do it in-house. For example, people don't realize that women's training has to be done by the company you work for. Uh, you know, if somebody gives you a women's certificate, it's not valid between companies. You still have to be trained or at least updated at the company you work for. Um, so this, having this, these sort of things um, and, and this sort of training really prepares the student for the risks that they're going to uh, take on when they're at work. Uh, to go back to my previous experience well, before I was teaching, unfortunately, the way I learned was trial and error and uh, accidents. I was fortunate not to ever hurt anybody uh, or not to hurt myself, but again, a lot of it was the trial and error. But now the students will know what's coming and, and know what to avoid sort of thing, which, which was a, a, a factor that I didn't have when I was learning. So... Um, so I, I think it gives them a, a great benefit and, uh, you know, allows them to be less likely to have those accidents, both the, the ones that involve people and the ones that involve damaging your equipment. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about operating because that's really interesting. So, so our sure. listeners on Dirt Stories, you know, it varies from operators to equipment owners, but also, um, you know, veterans in the industry, people that are just getting started in their careers. I want to talk a little bit about the common skills or traits that companies are looking for in operators. If someone takes your program um, and then they head out into the industry, what will set them apart and help them get that job? Getting into the industry can be easy or very difficult. Uh, and I know that's, that's two very opposite things. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you know somebody and they can get you a job, there may be opportunity there. On the other hand, if you don't, it's very difficult to get into the industry and it's certainly very difficult to get any machine time because equipment is so expensive and the work is so important that really there's not that much time for in-house training. It takes years and years. Again, I was fortunate when I was younger. Again, that little bit of nepotism I talked about <laughs> uh, allowed me to at least have the opportunity. Now, I still had to prove myself, but... I got the opportunity, whereas I had co-workers who never got the opportunity while we were there. So we went years and they stayed laborers and I moved on to be an operator. So there is that difficulty of getting in and getting the opportunity to try the equipment. And then without any guidance, it takes a long time to learn it. There's a lot of different things that, that can happen when you're operating and a lot of different technique. And if you're just learning by trial and error, it can take a very long time. Right. So, so go ahead. Yep. No, I'm, I'm curious. So I have had um, one, one informal training experience uh, in an excavator and a dozer learning, learning the ropes because I do not have a construction background. And it's kind of nice when you work in the industry to get that, get that insight. And I have to say it is very difficult. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to think about. I'm curious in your opinion, what makes a good operator? A good operator is, first of all, very hardworking and very aware. It's, you know, their, their reputation has been that the, the best operators have eyes on, on all sides of their head. Really a big thing for an operator is the, the ability to see everything that's happening and to, to make decisions based on that. So that makes a good operator. Um, that, that is what I would say uh, will set people apart. Um, the other thing that, and this comes from school, is a really good operator takes care of their equipment. Um, 
-hmm. proper running equipment and and well checked and well maintained equipment is much safer and easier to run mm -hmm. um, so for example even something as simple as cleaning your windows every day makes you a better operator uh, because you can see what you're doing exactly at all times um, a lot of our students, when they do get jobs, uh, a, a lot of the feedback from the employers is how happy they are that the students have been taught to uh, take care of their equipment uh, and, and do all the proper maintenance and such. And I've actually had calls from employers saying, can you come and teach my other guys to do this? Um, because they're so happy with it. And, and when you take into account that somebody's handing you a machine that's worth $200,000, they can appreciate if you'll take care of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point. You know, operators, there's a lot going on when you're operating equipment and you have to be so aware, not only of what you're doing, but what's happening on site and caring for equipment, I think is a great point because it's often overlooked, especially when you're busy, um, when you're busy working. So that's great that that's something you're implementing in the program as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big focus on that. Uh, the only thing that'll make somebody really great at operating is experience. But we can, I like to think that what, what we do at the college, at Conestoga College, is we'll take the, the two or three years of physical training that they would need to know how to handle a machine properly, and we get that into them in a few months. Right. After that, it's them learning the job. And that's the nice thing, is that they're, they're not out on a job site trying to learn how to use the equipment at the same time as trying to learn the job. Mm -hmm. uh, they can be comfortable in the equipment, and know how to use it. And then there, yeah, they just have to learn exactly what to do. Cause again, it's so diverse what the construction industry is so diverse. So that's an, an interesting transition into my next question. I'm curious, you talked about, you know, what makes a good operator, it's experience. Are there any connections that students can make when taking the program with local companies to help them uh, network, get more hands-on experience, anything like that? Uh, we actually have some employers who have approached us and they take our students while they're in school and employ them part-time in the construction industry. And, and they're always looking for people to try them out. And a lot of those students will end up working at that company permanently. Uh, afterward, once they graduate, they'll go to that company again. So we've, we've had that happen. And during our program, I'm proud to say we have what's called repeat customers. And that, that's employers who have hired from us in the past and every year hire again. They're, they're very happy with the, what, they've, what they've received as far as the training for their employees. And they um, know what to expect and they keep coming back for more. Uh, so that's something that I, I have a lot of pride in. Other than this year with the COVID issue, which is a bit different, uh, we actually, about three weeks before the students are set to graduate, we have an on-site barbecue where we invite local companies to come meet our students and take resumes oh, and great. Uh, kind of mingle. Um, and so they come from as far, you know, we're in Guelph, our program, the one I run is in Guelph. We have another one in Brantford. They do the same thing. But uh, yeah, we'll have employers come from as far away as London on one side and from Toronto on the other side and everywhere in between. Uh, to come meet our students and, and try to get some good uh, recruits. Currently, we had to pause due to COVID. We did not get an opportunity to finish the bulldozer and excavator training. Uh, we're going to start next week trying to recover that with the, this year's or the past year's students. And a few of those students who were on this pause actually got work uh, through the college or through myself, I guess I'll say, with employers in the meantime until they had to come back to school and they were running equipment uh, oh, nice. That's great. That time. 
So we, we actually had a, a few of them employed while they were on this break. And, and the nice thing about the type of work they were doing is it's very socially distant. You're distant. You're in a machine by yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the safety aspect was there too. So that's helped a, a few students. And um, yeah, I can, I can tell you that in the last few years, we've had a 85 to 95% employment rate out of our prog program within three months of graduating. Wow, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. We, we need trained operators and skilled workers for sure. So that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I can say, as far as, you know, while we're still discussing opportunities and such, uh, two days ago, and, and I, I was waiting to let you know about this. Uh, two days ago, I got a call from a student I had in 2011. And he owns his own company now and is looking for recruits from our program. Um, oh, nice. And and the nice thing is that's not the first time. I've had other students who now are, are own their own companies and are expanding um, and, or they're in management positions now where they, they actually do the recruiting and such. So it's, it's a nice feeling when, when you see that come full circle and the person you, you trained you know, nine years ago is now uh, somebody who's in charge and, and doing really well in their career and they still thank our training. Uh, because it got them ready for so much in the industry. Yeah, that's so rewarding. Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit and pick your sure. brain just briefly about construction technology. We obviously at Dozer are very um, tech, we're very tech savvy, very interested in tech advancements. And I'm kind of curious, how has, you know, we, we've seen things like autonomous equipment and um, GPS systems and just advancement in the equipment itself uh, mm -hmm. change over time. So how has that impacted the program and, and your training for operators? This is a question I get quite a bit and certainly uh, autonomous vehicles are not an issue currently in the um, in heavy equipment operating as far as construction work goes. There's uh, currently too many variables to have really autonomous equipment. Um, so you still need an operator. However, there are a lot of features on machines and, and add-ons, like you said, GPS systems that um, will help make better operators. They don't make a bad operator good. They'll make a good operator great, if that mm -hmm. makes sense to you. Yep. Um, as far as training students, we are getting them ready to use that equipment in the future, but they still need to do the basic um, handling of the equipment first, mm -hmm. if that makes sense to you. Um, you. You know, you still need to know how to drive a car before you can start using cruise control. Right. If, yep. if that, uh, as an analogy. So we do include some training in that. Uh, we have not a GPS system because it just doesn't work for our particular situation, but we have laser systems, which allow the students to, uh, it does make the bulldozer uh, blade work by itself. Um, and so we introduced the students to that, and that's easily transferable to GPS. It's the same concept. So that helps the students realize and, and see the technology that's out there that will assist them in, in becoming a better operator. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the idea would be that once they complete our program, they could get on a, um, a, a dozer with a GPS system, and within a day, they'd be using it no problem. So we, we got them prepared for that because the truth of it is, even with all those systems, those systems don't understand where the dirt is. They don't do dirt management. 
-hmm. And uh, that's actually one of the kind of silly dad jokes I use with my students. Uh, I don't train bulldozer operating. I train dirt management. Um, <laughs> the operating is, is uh, you know, 50% of it is what you're doing with the machine, but 50% is knowing what to do with the dirt or with the material you're spreading around. Uh, and, and that's the, the part that is harder to learn. And that's the part we focus on, how, knowing what to do with it. Uh, once you get into those uh, assisting technologies like grade control and, um, and GPS systems and stuff, it's easy to translate into that once you know how to run the machine. And I'll give an example, even myself, uh, I went on a bulldozer for a little professional development. And, you know, within the first hour and a half, I had a complete grasp of how to use the GPS system. Um, so that technology is going to keep moving forward. And, you know, we're doing our best to make sure our students are prepared for that technology and, and use it. But it's still not as out there as people might think. Um, right. It's usually the kind of the, the, the top dog on the ladder of operators who's using that kind of equipment. Uh, also, due to the cost and everything of that, if, if we have a, a, um, a, a smaller company, they probably won't have that. You still have to do a lot of work on your own. So uh, I don't want to give the impression that I'm dismissing that technology because, of course, I love it and it's great, right? Um, but there still has to be a huge base of knowledge first and and uh, technique first before you can really use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So before we say goodbye, I have one more question. I have sure. to ask, you've had decades of experience in teaching students. What is one piece of advice that you could give to anyone who's looking to start a career in heavy equipment operating? Um, again, if, uh, I, I can't give one, I can give a few. Um, so one of the things I would say first is that if you don't have the opportunity with, you know, knowing somebody in the business, then do take a college level course, uh, that that'll certainly assist you quite a bit in knowing how to run everything properly and, and moving forward with your career and give you opportunities because now companies who hire say from us know that that person should be running equipment. Um, to, to, to keep moving forward. So a, a lot of them will, will focus and say, okay, this student needs to be running equipment to keep working on it. Uh, the second thing I would say is every employer now, and this is for everybody out there who's working, every employer now is very concerned with, make sure you show up for work and show up on time or early. <laughs> it seems to be a big problem. And so I'll say that. And, and the last thing I'll say is don't expect it to be easy at first. Uh, the unfortunate thing is people will look at some guy at the side of the road sitting in his excavator and go, wow, that looks easy. I want to do that. It's not easy at first. That person took years to get to that point. Uh, you'll have to put a lot of time into. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. Put in the time and, and do the work. You're going to have to put in the time. Nothing's going to happen. And as I tell my students, you know, your first job is not going to be your last job. Mm -hmm. So uh, remember that, it, you know, nothing happens overnight. There's still a lot to learn after you've left school. Uh, but I, I can honestly say, and this is, you know, even looking at it objectively, um, coming to a program like ours will be really helpful to get you uh, ready for work. Uh, I have a young lady from a couple of years ago who graduated from our program. Um, she found it difficult to run the equipment all day physically. 
And due to our program and what you learn in our program, she is currently the maintenance and parts advisor at a heavy equipment a dealer. And she says she got that job, she loves it. And it was, it was the fact that she had so much knowledge from our maintenance training that got her the job and has made her successful in it. So, you know, it's that idea that if you learn a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of different things in the equipment industry, there's a lot of roads you can go down. Interesting. I think that makes a lot of sense. So before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with today? Gosh. Well, I, I think that anything else would be that show up on time and, and, uh, and show up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, really, if, if somebody's interested in the industry and, and whether you take a program like ours or whether you get into it, really, you have to focus on safety and not make exceptions uh, to those safety rules. Really follow the safety rules and follow what's in the operator's manual because you don't want to risk anybody's uh, health or life. We all want to be as productive as possible, but of course we want everybody to go home at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, sometimes we look at these, this equipment as toys or they look like fun, uh, but at the same time, they can also be uh, very dangerous. And so we have to make sure that everybody's aware of that, that it's, um, if you get into this industry, if you focus on safety and really follow the recommendations and the operator's manual recommendations, You'll do well. You'll keep yourself and everybody else safe and uh, the industry will be better for it. Great. So if anyone wants to learn more about the program, they can go to conestogac.on.ca and the program name that they're searching for is? Heavy Construction Equipment Operation. Heavy Construction Equipment Operation. Great. Yes, because we have a lot of different equipment that they're going to be running. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for giving us uh, an overview of everything, Paul. It was great chatting with you today. And it's, I think it's so great that we have an official course at the college level for operators to take. And I'm excited to, to see where the program goes and how it evolves over the next couple of years. Conestoga College's program is also the only college program that applies and can be used for the apprenticeship in oh, uh, heavy construction construction equipment operating. So there's three apprenticeships, uh, one for bulldozer, one for excavator, and one for backhoe. And ours actually allows a student to use our training if they get registered as an apprentice and they don't have to go back to school with our training. Uh, it's one and done. Okay. So for example, if a student goes to, you know, Bob's excavating to run an excavator and he says to the owner, hey, can we register me as an apprentice? And, um, and, the, and the owner agrees to it, uh, which there's no reason not to, it doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, then the student can just submit our program as their in-school portion. And after that, all they have to do is complete their hours and get signed off for their boss. And then they can uh, they write the Red Seal test, uh, which fortunately I helped develop. So I, I do kind of prepare students for that. Uh, they write the red seal test and then they, they are a journey person. This has two big benefits. One, while they're an apprentice, the employer gets a tax rebate from the government. So that's a big win. And two, uh, once the student completes their apprenticeship and becomes a journey person, they also get a cash award from the government of $1,500 per machine. So it is a win-win in many ways. And yeah, currently our program is the only college level program that, that has that involved. That's great news. I, I think that's, um, that's super valuable for the students and, and employers as well. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, yeah, so that's the, that's our program does that. Uh, the only other way to get that is maybe going through the union training program and, and, and that's a little bit different. You have to take two different programs for that. Uh, ours just covers it all. So whether it's a bulldozer, excavator or dozer, you can use our program for any one of those or all three if that's what you're doing. Okay, great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you. And if you have any other questions, let me know. That sounds great. Thanks um, so much, and, Paul. And, and thanks for reaching out. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want more dirt stories, find us on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or the Dozer Hub. Simply go to dozer.com, D-O-Z-R.com slash blog to find out more about our podcast episodes and blogs on the construction industry. We share all blogs and new episodes on our Instagram too. Follow us at Dozer Hub for the latest news in the industry and to join the Dirt Stories community. Want to be featured on the podcast? Contact us via social media or at dozer.com slash blog if you or someone you know has a dirt story to share. Today's episode was sponsored and produced by Dozer. Curious about the easiest way to rent heavy equipment? Give it a try for yourself at dozer.com.